Hey, good morning, everyone. One of our desires here at, at Living Word is that not only would you grow individually, but we would grow together as a church. And what makes, I believe, the family of God, the church, so special is that when we're doing life together and we know what we're going through, we're able to pray with one another. And that's kind of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is how do we grow not only individually in our relationship with the Lord, but how do we grow with one another. And that's such an important part of the family of God that it's just not something that we do individually or privately. But what we're going to see today, what made the early church so unique and special is how they did church. And and what was unique, what was special about how they did church? And we're going to look into the book of Acts to see how they did that. Last week I quoted the late uh, Reverend, uh, Reverend Billy Graham. He said this, Being a Christian is more than just this instantaneous conversion. It is a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. And that's not only in our knowledge and understanding through God's word, but we become more like Christ in the way we serve each other the way we love each other, the way we put up with each other's inconsistencies, we'll call them, right? And we all have them, amen? And we all have those little things, that little quirks, we'll call them quirks in our lives, that uh, we can learn to love each other through. And that's what makes the church special. It's not that we're always going to agree on everything. How many know that usually our way is the best way, right? And we try to convince other people of that. But what we do in the church is that we learn how to work through those things. We learn how to love each other. And you can only do that in relationships with one another. Let me give you a couple passages here about the importance that we see in the New Testament of growing in our walk with the Lord. 1 Timothy 4, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, he says, For physical training has some value, but godliness, godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come, growing in our godliness. In the second book of Timothy 2.15, Paul writes, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, rightly handling the word of God. Now I want to jump into Acts chapter 2, and I want, to, I want us to get, get a, 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 a preview. This is a, a way that the church works so diligently in growing in their relationship with one another and growing in their individual relationships with the Lord. And what we do is we get an insight to how the church grew. And listen to what Acts 2, 42 through 47 says. And this is what they did. This was what made the church so special. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen to God's word. So special what God was doing here. So I have a question for you. 
How do we know that we're actually growing in Christ? What are the metrics we use for our growth in Christ? And that's one of our, our, one of our major desires here at Living Word, to help you grow in your relationship with Christ in relationship to one another. Now, growing up, then you know, I was a swimmer. So was Pastor Brandon. So was my wife, Kathleen. And if you were a swimmer, you loved to go to practice. Practice was so much fun. No, it wasn't. It was horrible. It was boring. You didn't talk to anybody. You went back and forth in the pool. It was just really, really boring. But if you were, if you were a swimmer, you knew what the metrics were for swimming. The metrics that you were improving were your times. Times don't lie. And times reflected how much work you put into practice. So if you were in a race and you came in last, but you did your personal best time, that was a win. And your coach knew what your times were, and hopefully you knew what your times were. And so what you did is you tried to improve on your times. And what is crazy, I still remember my high school times for the 100 free, the 50 free, and the 100 butterfly. So if there's any swimmers out there, let's talk after service. I want to know what your times were for your, for your events. Now, at swim meets, you were ranked by your times. So in order to improve on your times, you had to become uncomfortable. You had to work at it. And if you didn't become uncomfortable, if you didn't work hard, it was going to reflect in your times. It reflected on how well you practice. You could only improve on your times if you put the time in to practice. Kobe Bryant is probably one of the most disciplined NBA players to have ever played the game. And I was watching a documentary about the late Kobe Bryant about the 2008 men's basketball Olympic team, and they were, they were called the Redeem Team. Remember, remember the, the Dream Team when they assembled the, all the, the NBA All-Stars for the Olympics, and we basically, the United States blew everybody out of the water because they had Michael Jordan, and that's all you needed, and they just blew everybody out of the water. Well, in 2004... The United States men's basketball team lost. And they had all these all-star NBA teams, and they were like, they didn't take it seriously. The guys didn't gel well together. So they bring Kobe Bryant on their team to redeem the 2004 Olympic Games. Now, what's interesting about this team, in order to get them together, to assimilate together, they all met in Las Vegas to practice. Big mistake number one, to meet in Las Vegas, right? So what happened, one night, all the players, right, they, they, you can't get in trouble in Las Vegas, right? There's no way, there's nothing to do there. And so all the players, except for Kobe Bryant, went out on the town. And they were partying out on the town, and they came back at 4.30 in the morning. And as they're going into the lobby, guess who they pass? They pass Kobe Bryant, who is going to work out. And what happened there without Kobe saying a word is he made his teammates feel, what do you think, uncomfortable. And they witnessed his discipline. They witnessed how hard he worked at practice. So just by his example, all the other players woke up early and started practicing with Kobe Bryant. And guess what? That year, the 2008 Olympics, they lost. No, they won. They got the gold medal. They redeemed themselves for 2004. You see, the question about our walk with the Lord is what are we putting into it? Are we, are we disciplined? 
Are we proactive in our growth with the Lord? What are the metrics that we can see that we're actually growing? What were the metrics for the early church? And and as we look at the early church, what we noticed is in order for them to grow, they had to become uncomfortable. They couldn't do the things that were comfortable or the things that they used to do. Everything they did was, was something that they chose to do, to become proactive, to cause the church to grow. They, they had to be beyond themselves, and they had to give beyond themselves, and they had to dedicate their lives beyond themselves to this Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who saved them, who transformed their heart and their lives to be a witness for him in their world. And let's look at these metrics. Let's look at what got them out of their comfort zone through Acts chapter 2. And I want to look at what were the crucial, critical components of the early church that we see made them grow. Because they grew not only individually, but we're going to see they grew as a church numerically. So let's just look at some things here. What we see in Acts chapter 2 is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We're going to look at that in a moment. They had fellowship together which means the church met and they worshiped together. They were doing life together. They took communion together. They were generous with their resources, with what God gave them. They served each other. And they also shared the message of Christ. Now, I want you to notice what made the church grow. They not only grew through learning, through the apostles' teaching, through the word of God, but it says that they devoted themselves to these teachings not just listening but the word of god specifically says they devoted themselves i want you to see this isn't a casual thing this isn't if well if i feel like it i'll be studious this means consistency it means constantly diligent it means to hold fast they absorbed the word of god they knew the word of god was his truth that that caused life change for them And so they were diligent. They were devoted in hearing these teachings. So not only we can sit under God's word by coming on Sunday morning, but we individually have to be devoted to listening to God's word, to reading God's word on our own. And I know for some of you that may be uh, a a huge step of faith for you to read through God's word because maybe you don't understand it. Let me encourage you. Get a good study Bible. Get a good study Bible because in that study Bible, they'll have notes for you that will help explain some of the verses. They'll have an introductory to each verse on why that book was written, who the author was, what what the occasion was for writing that specific book. And I would just challenge you, start small and work up. Start with one book and just read through it. Get a good study Bible so that you can understand it. Ask questions. And this will help you to absorb God's word in your own personal life. And then, and then all this stuff coming together on, on Sunday morning and, and Wednesday night. Wednesday nights, right now, we're, going, we're doing an overview of the whole New Testament. In the fall, we went through an overview of the whole Old Testament. So if you're wanting to learn more about the New Testament and how it fits together and how Jesus Christ is glorified in every book, come on Wednesday nights, and I know it will help you to understand and put the puzzle together for you and your life. I want to encourage you to do that. But I want you to notice for the early church, it wasn't that they were just learning. is that they were doing it together. They weren't doing it privately. They weren't doing it individually. But they were doing it together also. They had fellowship with one another. And the word fellowship is this Greek word koinonia. And it's more than just talking about the weather um, or your favorite sports teams, Go Bills. But it's not just that, right? It's not just that. The word is actually used 20 
times in the New Testament and carries this idea, this meaning of honor, serving, closeness, compassion, kindness, encouragement, and admonishment. Koinonia means to spur one another to good works, showing hospitality and love for one another. And how they did this is they prayed for each other, they knew each other, they were together. They knew what they were struggling with. They knew that they needed to pray for each other. And in order to do this, you have to be close to one another. And so that's why we believe at Living Word, small groups are so vital for your personal growth in the Lord. We absolutely need each other. Now, so they learned about the knowledge of the Lord, of Jesus Christ, but they also learned to spur each other on towards good works. And you can only do that in relationship with other people. It says that they took communion together, and I love this. Jesus told his disciples to do this whenever you remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you do this, remember what I did for you. That the bread symbolizes my body. The cup symbolizes my blood that was shed for you. I am your substitute. I took your sins upon my sinless body for you. Whenever you do this, you're remembering that I am Lord, that I am the one that atones for your sins. I'm the one that gives you eternal life. This is the thing that binds us together in the church. The unity of the church is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ and what he provided for every single one of us. That none of us here have a special inroad to God in our own goodness. We have all fallen short of God's perfection. And now through Christ Jesus, we can find forgiveness. We can find the righteousness of Christ. We can find eternal life. And it's all done through the work of Jesus Christ that he already already provided for us on the cross. So every time we take communion, we're remembering, hey, we're in this together. We all need God's forgiveness. None of us are perfect, right? None of us are flawless. We all have our mistakes. But through Christ Jesus, he now gives us his righteousness that we can walk this walk together in the power of Jesus' name. And so they were generous also with their resources. They gave to the work of God. They served the needs of the church. So the early church stepped beyond just sitting and listening to giving and serving. That's what made the church so unique, the early church, what made it so special. It's not that they didn't have their problems. And we see that the the, the Bible doesn't whitewash uh, the different disagreements that the early church had. But what we do have, and we have the same thing today, right? But what we do see is they just weren't sitting and listening. They were actually proactive in giving and serving one another. So how did the church grow? How did the church grow numerically? What they did was they shared what Christ did in them. The transformation in their heart was not a private thing. Your walk with the Lord should never be a private thing. It should be something that we share with others how Christ changed us. And I want you to know every single one of you have a story of what Christ did in your life. Now, it may be different, right? Some of you, it may have been pretty traumatic. Maybe you're at your wit's end. Maybe you just were at the bottom of the barrel, the bottom of the pit, and you called out to God, and Jesus came to rescue you. All of us have that story of how we came to Christ. Maybe you were brought up in church, and you just you were blessed by hearing the word of God all the time, and then you came to that, that decision to say, I'm going to follow Christ, and I understand what he did for me. 
And you became a follower of Jesus Christ. But you know what? It doesn't matter. All of us have a story. All of you have a way that you came to the realization that you needed Jesus, how you came to Jesus, and now how Jesus is helping you in your life. And that doesn't mean our lives are perfect, amen? But you understand how Christ is helping you through all the things in your life and what you're going through. Every single one of you have a story, and that story is your story. And you can share that with people of what Jesus did to transform your heart. You see, my dad, he saw a story of a guy that he worked with at Eastman Kodak, who this gentleman came in one day and he was completely changed. And my dad's like, what's up? What's going on in your life? And he said, Martin, let me sit down with you in a break room at Eastman Kodak. This man shared with my dad and prayed with my dad to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ at Eastman Kodak Company. His story, his life transformation, my dad witnessed. It wasn't in a church. It wasn't some religious thing. It was a transformation through a relationship with Jesus Christ that attracted my dad. My mom and dad went to a Catholic marriage encounter to better their marriage. And a nun who was on fire for Jesus prayed with my mom to come to Christ. And it changed our family. I'm here right now because of the decision that my parents made to follow Christ. Your story matters. It matters. You have no idea what people are going through, what's in their background, what they're struggling with. But what made the early church so unique is not just them growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but there was a heart transformation that made them different. And God added to their number daily, daily, because there was life. It just wasn't adding religion to their life. It was a life that was transformed through the power of Christ that changed their heart and their life. This is what was appealing about their message. It was twofold. It was appealing because they lived it, meaning they were authentic. And secondly, they shared the message of Christ. So they were living it, but they were learning together to grow as they proclaimed the message of Christ and the church grew. Now I want you to think for a moment. I just want you to think for a moment about about what was true in the early church. So we see fellowship, we see worship, we see daily devotion, we see prayer, we see repentance, we see generosity, we see serving, we see serving, and we see sharing the story of how Christ transformed my heart. I want you to think about those seven things. I want you to think about it. Where are you lacking? Now, I don't mean this as a, as a guilt trip or to make you feel bad or to shame you. But out of those seven things that we see in the early church, what what would you say, yeah, there's definitely, there's some things that are are lacking that I definitely need to grow in. And this is where we want to help you. And that's why we're offering this 10-week small group experience called Rooted that we've been talking about the last couple weeks. Let me explain to you about, about why we believe as a church, why Rooted is important. Root is important because not only will you grow in God's word, but you're going to grow together. It's an experience of doing it together. And I don't want anyone in our church to feel like they're on an island 
or that they're alone or that their needs are not presented to other people of what's going on in your life. And I believe that's done through a small group experience. And what we're praying for, this this isn't a one and done 10 week experience and we're never going to do it again in our church. So, so some of you are like, oh, I, I can't do Rooted this time. That's okay. We're going to offer it again in the fall. They're going to offer it again. We're going to offer it multiple times a year. So don't feel bad if you can't sign up. But here's, here's what we want you to understand. If you commit to this, I believe you're going to get the most out of Rooted by committing to the 10 weeks. And if you can't, that's okay. No shame, no guilt. Sign up for the next one when you can. But I believe by going through that and committing to it, God's going to do something in your life. I believe God honors the steps that we take towards him. And I believe God will honor you in those steps. And so we want this to be implemented in our church so that um, it's, it's going to um, be implemented in your life so you see the importance of, of what it means to come together, to share one another, to grow with one another. And that's going to accentuate our small groups, our acts groups. And we want to see more and more groups uh, start and come together at our church and so that you can continually be growing in your walk and not only doing life individually, but doing life with others. And we believe that when we begin to do life with one another, we really begin to see growth in our lives. And we don't become stagnant in our walk with the Lord. And I believe that it will change your life. And so in those 10 weeks, we're going to implement those seven rhythms. We're going to talk about those seven seven rhythms in them. February 5th, after this service, we're going to have our, our first meeting together. We're going to have Rooted and, and Rigatoni. And uh, we're going to eat together, and you're going to break off in your small groups and, and meet your leader, and that will be the first week. And then you'll, you'll, some, some groups are going to meet at home. Some groups may meet here on Wednesday night, especially you with kids. We, we can uh, you know, use the accessibility of having the children's ministry here for your kids. But we just want you to be encouraged that I believe you take this step. I, I want our church not only to be growing in, in God's word, but growing with one another. That there are times in our acts groups, our small groups that are meeting now, that it'll get back to me a week or two later that, oh, so-and-so, this, so-and-so is going through this. And just one you know, we prayed for them, we visited them. And it got back to me a week later. I'm like, praise God, you guys are all over it. You guys are praying for one another. You care for one another. That's what we want for our church, that you never feel like you're alone. So once again, if you can't commit uh, this time around, that's okay. We're going to keep offering it. We're going to keep offering it. We want this to be the one door that everybody walks through, but that's okay. We're going to keep offering it. And I want you to know that this is for everyone. It doesn't matter where you are in your life, whether you're single, divorced, married, have kids, don't have kids. This is for everyone. And, and it's for everyone in, in your certain walk with the Lord. Maybe some of you, you've been walking with the Lord forever and you're more mature in your walk. Maybe some of you are new and you may be kind of, uh, it may be intimidating and say, well, what if I have to pray? What if I have to know something about the word of God? You don't, ha- you don't have to say a word. It's for everyone. Listen, even if you're more mature, how, how many of us know the biggest room in every house is? What's the biggest room in every house? The room for improvement, right? So listen, <laughs> Those of you that think you got it all together, there's still room for improvement, right? So this is for everyone, not just people who feel like they've been in the church forever. This is for you who say, I just want to grow and learn more. I, w- I want to I share a, a, a story, a, a video of a woman named Debbie who found herself in a rooted group, and she was just coming to church because she was just a seeker. 
She didn't really at that point have a relationship with Christ, but she heard about this this rooted small group, and she goes, I'm I'm, going to try this out. And it was through that rooted experience that she came to know Jesus as her Savior. And I want you to listen to the story of Debbie. I grew up uh, adopted uh, by a Japanese family. We went to church a few times growing up, not many times, but I would say they were more Buddhist. And as a teenager, I struggled uh, to find a connection, looking into different kinds of um, faiths just to see what would fit my life. Nothing fit. So um, life went on, and I got to the point where I just thought I didn't need it. I was a good person, thought that was going to be good enough. I figured in the end, if it came down to it, I'm a pretty good talker. Work my way in. <laughs> After a 15-year marriage, I found myself in a divorce. I had an eight-year-old son that I needed to raise. And um, literally just felt like I was so alone. In my struggle, I found myself um, at Mariners one Sunday, uh, not too long ago, and I just felt so peaceful. And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, I just need to sit here like all day. But it was over and I had to leave. (laughs) So I left and I came home and I thought, they talked about this rooted They kept mentioning it, and I thought, I don't know what this is, but I obviously need something, so I'm going to just, I'm going to go. Every day between signing up and showing up, it was a struggle. Everyone was splitting off into their groups, and I'm a little judgmental, and I had everybody packed. There was no way this group was going to work for me, I can tell you that much. I just thought I was the only one in the group that was not a believer. I thought it was going to be, they were going to tell me how to believe in God, how to pray, how to, how to be. And what it turned out was we were all kind of teaching each other how to have a relationship with God in our own way and for our own spiritual journey. And that's kind of what kept me going. And at the Rooted Celebration, although I was hesitant to stand up and scream out, I believe, um, I did, and when I did that, in front of everyone, I think it changed. It would never have happened if not for Rooted, if not for these people who I could not have imagined even having coffee with, much less sharing a life with, and now I can't imagine my life without any one of them. It's changed my life. Amen. Isn't that a great great story? I love that. There's a interesting illustration about a redwood tree, redwood trees. And we all know that roots are important. And for any plant to survive, it needs to have good roots. It needs to be in the soil. It needs to get water. And many times we think about roots growing deeper, and they should grow deeper. Those tap roots need to tap down in the soil and grab water. And when their times of drought will come, the deeper the roots are, Uh, the more able they are to survive. But what's interesting about the redwood tree, it's the tallest tree in the world that can grow to 300 feet. But what's interesting about the, the redwood tree is its root system. Its root system does not go deep. In fact, it only goes to 6 feet or maybe even 12 feet. And what its root system does, how does this tree stay standing 
during the storms and windstorms. Well, the reason it stays standing is its root systems don't go deep. They travel widthwise. They can travel up to a hundred feet. So if you think of this, this room, our sanctuary, the back wall uh, here to the front wall there or the front wall, back wall, however you want to look at it, is 80 feet. The roots go another 20 feet into the lobby. But what also keeps them standing is what they do is a redwood tree cannot stand on its own. It needs other redwood trees for this reason. Their roots intertwine. And if their roots did not intertwine, they could not stand. You see, we need both. We need deep roots as we grow in God's word and to stand on his truth. But also, we need each other through relationships as our lives intertwine with one another. We need both. And we can't do it without each other, too praying for each other, doing life together. And so my question is, how do we strengthen our roots? We've got to grow deeper, and we've got to grow deeper with one another as our roots intertwine with other people and with other people's lives. Then I believe we can stand strong in the winds of whatever may be thrown at our way, whatever news may come our way, when we are strong in God's word and strong with one another, we will prevail. That's what makes the church so special. We need each other to encourage each other in the Lord, to grow in Christ, to spur each other on to good works. We absolutely need that for each other. So my prayer for you is that you would take that next step. And I hope that it would be an uncomfortable step for you because if it is an uncomfortable step, that means it's a good step. That means it's a step that's going to cause you to grow in your relationship with Christ and with one another. And that's my prayer for our church. So Father God, as we bow our hearts before you, Maybe the first step for someone that's watching or someone that's in this room today is taking that step to follow you, Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus, that when we come to you, we find your grace and mercy, we find forgiveness of our sin, that you make us whole, that you make us new, and it's only done by your grace, and that may be the first step. So Lord, I pray who's ever here today, they would take that step to come to you and recognize you as Lord and Savior and bow their hearts to you, and I thank you for that. For some of us here in, in our body, maybe that next step is, is just getting connected, Lord, and looking at those seven rhythms and saying, Lord, what, where do I need to improve? What do I need to work on in those seven things in my life? I pray, Lord, that, that you would make us uncomfortable, that we would look at those things and, and not be passive about it, but be proactive. And we know that you will honor our steps as we walk towards you, Lord, and we thank you for that. And so, Lord, I just pray for our church that you would literally bind us together with cords that could not easily be broken, that you would intertwine our roots with one another, God, as we're here to help each other, as we're here to encourage each other, 
as we're here to spur each other on to good works. And I pray that for our church today. So I thank you, Lord, for your goodness today. I thank you for living word. I thank you for what you're going to do in our midst. I thank you for every person here. And I pray you would continue to work in their hearts and their lives to build up the body of Christ so that you may be glorified. In Jesus' wonderful, wonderful, wonderful name, we ask these things. And all God's children said, amen. Can we thank the Lord today? Amen. 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 Amen.